I just want to say one more time before we dive into the Word of God that it's my privilege to preach the Word of God to you. Please turn with me to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2. We'll look at verses 11 through 22 today. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. I wanted to start with this. Have you ever thought that what you do flows out of who you are? What you do flows out of who you are. Your identity is the root of all your fruits. If your primary identity is being a professional, then getting to the top position in the company is your top priority. If you are an inventor, first of all, then everything in your life is subjected to inventing new things. So today I would like to talk to you about your Christian identity. Your identity as the church of Christ. And if you are here with us today and you are not yet part of the church of God, we're really happy to have you here with us. Please listen carefully to what we will be talking about as we dive into our passage today. There are so many caricatures of who a Christian is in the world today, but they're caricatures, and I would like to present to you the truth of who a Christian is from the Word of God. So let's look together at Christian identity, which is presented to us by Apostle Paul, who wrote to the church in Ephesus. Let me read this passage to you, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. Let us hear the word of God. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called then circumcision, but what is called this circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in the place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, But you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Amen. We'll have... Three points in our sermon today. First, your former identity, verses 11 and 12. Christ, your identity changer, verses 13 through 18. 
and your new identity, verses 19 through 22. Your former identity, Christ the identity changer, and your new identity. Our passage starts with the word, therefore. And this indicates that there was something preceding that led to something that Apostle Paul wants to say now in verse 11. Usually when you come across the word therefore, you need to ask the question, what is it therefore? So why is he starting with this therefore? Oh, because prior to that, in verses 1 through 10, he spoke about the glorious salvation of sinners who were dead in trespasses and sins, whom God reached in mercy, saved in Christ Jesus by his grace. And if you look with me at verses 8 through 10 of the same chapter 2, you will see the ending of the description of that glorious salvation. Please look with me at verse 8, Ephesians 2, verse 8. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Therefore, remember. You see the connection? Apostle Paul says to the church in Ephesus, you were created in Christ Jesus for good works. Therefore, remember. And if you look at the book of Ephesians as a whole, you will see that often Apostle Paul would address the church in Ephesus and tell them, walk. Walk in the manner worthy of the call into which you've been called. For example, chapter 4, verse 1. Later on, he will say, walk in wisdom. Or he will say in chapter 4, walk not like the Gentiles walk. Later on, in chapter 5, he will say, walk in life. Uh, 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 Sorry, walk in love. Later on in chapter 5, verse 15, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. When he says, when he tells them to walk in a certain manner, he basically tells them to live in a certain manner. And so here in verse 10 of chapter 2, when he says that we were created in Christ Jesus for good works so that we should walk in them prior to explaining to the church in Ephesus of how it is that we're supposed to walk. He wants them to remember something. So before you go on doing good works to your brothers and sisters, you got to remember something. And in verses 11 and 12, he tells us that we are to remember our former identity prior to our conversion. So you see, it's important in order for us to walk in the manner worthy of our calling, to walk in love, to, wor- to walk in wisdom, it's important for us to remember our former identity. Look with me, please, at verse 11. It says here, Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh. So you see who's, whom he's addressing? Gentiles, non-Jews. And then he repeats in verse 12, remember. You see, in verse 11, remember, and then again in verse 12, remember. So what are they to remember? 
They are to remember who they used to be, who they were, their former identity. And let's look closely at what their former identity was. We see here, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ. And here's our first question. Wait a minute. When he's talking about the Gentiles, when they were separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, he's obviously referring to the Old Testament, to the time prior to Christ's coming, right? Because he wants to show us here that the Gentiles, they were separated from God's people, from those to whom God gave the prophets, the covenants, the word. So why is he saying separated from Christ if he's talking about the time prior to Christ's coming? Oh, it's very appropriate because everything that God did in the Old Testament to the Jews and for the Jews was done with an eye to Christ. So in Paul's mind, in Apostle Paul's mind, when he's talking about the Gentiles, that they were separated from God's people, from Israel in the Old Testament, first and foremost, he says, they were separated from Christ. Everything that God did for the Jews in the Old Testament was in preparation for the coming of Christ and in order to reveal Christ. So therefore, it's very appropriate for Apostle Paul to start with this and to say that in your former identity, you were separated from Christ, meaning they were separated from the Old Testament writings, covenants, prophets that pointed to Christ. There was a wall of ignorance, sin, darkness, and stubbornness. That's their former identity. They were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise. They were not part of God's people. Most of them didn't even hear about the promises of blessings, the promises of coming Christ, the promises of land, joy, and peace that are found in God. And even if they heard about those wonderful promises, they had no claim on them because they were not part of God's chosen people. Let me give you an illustration. As you, as you have already heard, I'm from Kazakhstan. And I'm a stranger to the United States of America. And if I came to one of your governmental bodies and claimed your welfare or your pension or whatnot, they would say, excuse me, Mr. Boris, you may go back to Kazakhstan and claim whatever you want. But you're a stranger to us. That's what's meant here. Even if Gentiles heard something, they were strangers to those promises. They were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, resulting in them not having hope and being without God in the world. You know, probably the worst condition that any of us can find ourselves in is when we are hopeless. You know, it's one thing to be powerless, but hopeless, that's just devastating. No hope. No hope. You know why he says that they were hopeless? It's because the only hope there is, 
is if we repent of our sins and put our trust in God, who's revealed in his Christ. But they did not have an access to that word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, but they did not hear that word. They were deprived of it. And as a consequence of it, they were without God in the world. The worst possible condition. You have a Pacific Ocean here, and yesterday I was taken to the shore, and it was beautiful. But you know what I thought about? I thought that would be terrible to be in the midst of the Pacific Ocean without a vessel. <laughs> just all by myself. I, I just imagined that and thought, whoa, that thought is just terrifying. That's the condition they were in. In God's world without God. In the middle of the ocean, without a vessel, without any hope, without any help. Those people who are in God's world and yet without God are the most miserable of creatures since they are under the wrath of God and many of them don't even have a clear understanding of their condition, that they need to be reconciled to God, let alone their that they need to be reconciled to God, and they don't have any means towards that. But I don't want to leave an impression that the Gentiles were some innocent victims. Oh, no. All of us are conscious sinners, and the Gentiles were conscious sinners. That's the condition, actually, of all of us in this room at some point in time, and maybe some of you are in this condition right now. If you have not been reconciled to God in Christ, you are in this condition. That's the description of where you are. Hopeless in God's world without God. Separated from Christ. You need to listen carefully to what I am about to say in a minute because I will speak about Christ, the identity changer, and about new identity that is available to everyone who would believe in Christ. I have a word of application to those of you who are Christians. Maybe you're wondering why does Paul want us to remember our past? We want to move forward, right? Forgetting what was behind. Why is Paul urging us to remember what was in our past, in our sinful darkness? Why does he want us to become sad or what? I, I, I mean, we want to be happy. Why is he reminded us of that darkness that was in the past? It's to make you happy. It might sound strange, but that's exactly what he's pursuing because it's when we remember from where we came. It's when we remember that we deserve nothing but hell and wrath of God. It's when we remember that it's only by the grace of God we are where we are, that we may be grateful, happy, content. We know the truth. We know the truth. The only thing that we deserve is death and hell, and we were dead in our trespasses and sins without any hope, but God in Christ Jesus came and saved us. I'm grateful. I'm grateful. And that's exactly what Apostle Paul says next. Look with me at verse 13. He says, but now in Christ Jesus. You see that? 
I remember when uh, my friend and brother Jeremy once recommended me uh, to listen to a sermon by Martin Lloyd-Jones, one of the greatest preachers in the 20th century, and the title of the sermon is But God. I listened to it several times. <laughs> it's good. And here, Apostle Paul says, but God. Isn't that great? Um, God stops us in our sinful ways. And that's where, uh, that's uh, point two of my sermon, Christ, your identity changer. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. One of the first observations that I have to make is that the Gentiles, they did nothing to bring about this change. Do you see that? Verse 13, they have been brought near. Passive voice. They didn't bring themselves near. They have been brought near by the blood of Christ. They were far off. Far off from whom? from God's people and God's him, God himself. Very far off. Far than Kazakhstan from California. And please notice that it took Christ's blood to bring, to bring them near. Not their desires, not their efforts, not their sufferings, not their tears, not their misery, and not even their imitating Christ. Nothing of their own doing. Only God, by the blood of his Son, has done this all. That's the gospel. That's the message of salvation that is available to everyone who repents and believes in Christ Jesus. All of us, regardless of our ethnicity at some point in time, or maybe even now, were or are strangers to God's people and God himself. We're sinners doomed to be punished, but God, rich in mercy, sent his son who lived the life that we were supposed to live and died the death that we deserved. And he was raised from the dead for the justification of all those who would repent of their sins and put their trust in Christ. That's the gospel. That's the good news of salvation. The gospel is the news of reconciliation to God first and then to God's people. But again, I just want you to, rem I, I, wanna, I want to remind you again, it takes Christ's blood, the blood of the Son of God who died on the cross for sinners to bring the Gentiles near to the Jews and to God himself. If you're still trying to come near God by fixing your act, you are still very far off. You are on the wrong path. You need to despair of your own efforts to come near God and cling on to Christ. It's only through his blood that we're brought near to God. It's something done to us, not by us. Christianity Allow me to remind you, it's not the religion of do, it's the religion of done. 
There was war, hostility, animosity, but Christ reconciled the Gentiles and the Jews. And not only reconciled, but he became their peace. Look with me at verses 14 and 15. For he himself is our peace who made who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross. You know what Christ did? He didn't just join the Gentiles to the Israelites. No, he created one new man in himself. The act of redemption accomplished by Christ is an act of new creation. We are here a new humanity. Those of us who are believers, those of us who are in Christ, whether we're from Kazakhstan, Mexico, I don't know, China, what other places, Georgia, Russia, we are a new humanity. Christ created us as one new body in himself. And it doesn't mean that we, uh, you know, like our faces become the same or like, you know, our height becomes the same. No. But our desires. See, our burning desire, our first desire is to glorify God. However we look, whatever our height or age The act of redemption is the act of new creation. We are a new humanity. It's not just a coalition. Like, you know, when the Jews and Gentiles sat at the table and said, you know what? Let's just find a compromise. No. <laughs> new men. Ethnic barriers are gone. And you need to remember that the Jews thought that the Gentiles were dogs. And I see that many... Californians love dogs. That's not the idea you should have in your mind when the Jews thought about the dogs. It's not cute puppies that you have in your homes or big dogs, but still cute. No, uh, they thought about dirty, savage, uncontrollable beasts like the Gentiles. Blech. And the Gentiles, when they thought about the Jews, they, I think, just thought, oh, these guys are just arrogant weirdos. But now in Christ Jesus by his blood. Notice again, by his blood. There is only one means of reconciliation of different ethnicities. And I know it's a hot topic in the United States of America. But you need to know there is only one means of reconciliation of different ethnicities. And it's not good manners. And it's not accepting guilt. And it's not even taking responsibility for the sins of your ancestors. It takes the blood of Christ, sinless Son of God, to reconcile us to each other. Nothing less than that. If it's a real reconciliation. And how do we partake of all these tremendous benefits that we've read about? That we've heard about? How can we be at peace with God and at peace with God's people? Or be part of God's people. You have to accept the peace treaty conditions, if I can put it in this way. You have to accept and realize that 
we are at war or used to be at war with God. Who needs reconciliation with God if uh, I'm okay with God? You know, many people, unbelievers, when you talk to them about God, that God is wrathful with sinners, they would say, oh, I'm okay with God. He's okay with me. No, no, no. The Bible says that we are at war with God and we need to be reconciled to him. And it takes Christ's blood to be reconciled to him. And what are we to do on our part? First, to recognize that we are rebels. Second, to repent of our sins. Third, to put our trust in the one who is the reconciler to God's own son. Repent of your rebellion. If you are still a rebel sitting here, repent of your rebellion. Submit to the king of all kings, Jesus Christ. And you should know that what I'm saying to you right now is actually Christ's message. I am only a herald. I'm a waiter who's bringing this dish to you. I, I can't even say more. It's not me who's preaching to you right now. It's Jesus Christ. You might say, what? That's a new teaching. No, it's not. Look with me at verse 17 of chapter 2. You see what it says here? And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near, by the way. Those who were near were the Jews so that they would real, and he mentions it here, so that they would realize that they are not automatically saved. They were also rebels. Yes, they had an access to the prophets, to the writings, to the covenants, but not, that did not mean that they were automatically ushered into the kingdom of God. But getting back to my point of Christ preaching right now to you, why can I say that? Because of verse 17. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. So here, Apostle Paul, when he says he, he talks about Jesus Christ because it's about him that we were reading in preceding verses. But wait a minute. Jesus never came to, this, to the town of Ephesus. It's Paul who came. How come Paul says here that Jesus came and preached peace? Oh, it's easy if you know your Bibles. Jesus said in Luke 10, 16, he that hears you, hears me. You see what's going on here? Apostle Paul was not preaching his message. He was preaching the message of Christ. Christ himself was preaching through Apostle Paul. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we see how Paul says God makes his appeal through us, be reconciled to God. That's why I can say that Christ is speaking to you right now. My going to Los Angeles, California is Christ's coming to speak to you. If the preacher is faithfully expounding the word of God, that's what's happening. The Lord is speaking. The Lord is addressing us. One point of application, if you are a Christian here today, please go, obey God's great commission. Go therefore to all the nations, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of 
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them everything that you heard from me, please go because your going is his coming. And what's the end of us being reconciled to God? Look at me at verse 18. If you are reconciled to God in his son, then we see in verse 18, for through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Through Jesus Christ, God the Son, we have access in one spirit, God the Spirit, to the Father. Isn't that amazing? This is unbelievable. You know, some people talk about salvation and they say, be reconciled to God, and they put period. And they say, okay, you're reconciled. You're saved. What was saved for? You see that for? <laughs> For through him right now, if you've been reconciled to God, if you've been brought near to God and his people by Christ's blood, you have highest conceivable privilege in the whole universe. You can enter in the presence of God in one spirit. And you know what? We are doing it right now here. He's addressing the congregation in Ephesus, and he's telling this congregation in Ephesus that they need to Remember that they're given this highest privilege of being able in one spirit, if you're a Christian, the spirit of Christ is in you. One spirit in all of us, those of us who are in Christ. And by that spirit, we are brought into the presence of God. Right now. Maybe you don't feel like it, but that's the truth of this word. That's what it says. That's why it's so good that we gather, when we gather together and sing unto the Lord, hear his word, pray according to his word, see his word in these ordinances. He is in our midst. He is in our midst. Another word of application that I would like to present to you is this. We are united in God. We have one Holy Spirit. Later on, Apostle Paul in chapter 4 will be talking about us being one body, one heaven and one spirit. That we've been called to one whole, belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. So if we are truly one, we've been reconciled to each other, we've been reconciled to God, then please, don't tell me you cannot stand your sister or you cannot get along with your brother, or you cannot forgive that man in the church. Look, we are one, one body. Can you imagine if one finger, like <laughs> whatever finger it is, says, I do not want to be on this hand. We call it autoimmune disorder. We call it a problem. <laughs> to say the very least. So I just want you to realize that if you, in your heart, just decided, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to avoid that particular brother, that is unnatural. We are one in Christ Jesus. And practically, if you are still struggling with getting along with your brother or sister or forgiving somebody, I know it's hard, but pray. This is the foundation 
Pray to God to give you forgiveness. Pray to God to change your heart, to make it soft. We all need that. I need that. So after we've been reminded of our former identity, after we've looked at our great Savior, Jesus Christ, who by his blood has brought us, by his blood has brought us near to God's people and to God himself. Now, point three of our sermon, our new identity, verses 19 through 22. Look with me at verse 19. So then, after you've been reminded of who you were, of what Christ has done for you, so then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. You know what Apostle Paul does here in these verses? He um, uses certain imageries, uh, illustrations, to basically tell us that we're no longer strangers if we're in Christ. You see that no longer strangers and aliens used to be strangers. But now, fellow citizens with the saints, members of the household of God. And here when he says members of the household of God, that word household, it may refer to the family of God and also to the house of God. You see, you're not just aliens you are sons and daughters of God. You are part of his family, members of his family. That's just amazing. So we're not just saved, justified, acquitted of our guilt, but we are made the children of God. We're God's children by adoption in Christ Jesus. We're his family. But we're also his house, built on the foundation of apostles and prophets. By the way, if anybody tells you that there are prophets or apostles today, um, that is contrary to what we see in this text because God's house, God's church is built on the foundation of apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ being cornerstone. We are the bricks. So if somebody today comes and says, I'm an apostle, ah. Uh, you were supposed to be in the foundation. So no, no prophets or apostles today. They were in the foundation. We are God's temple. Why is this imagery? Do you see that? Um, verse 21, in whom we, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Why is this illustration? Why is this imagery? In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. You know, God's temple throughout the Bible from uh, the time of the tabernacle and to the book of Revelation signifies God's dwelling place. That's where he is in the midst of his people. And we see that in verse 22, right? In whom you also are being built together into a dwelling place. He just said, holy temple, now he says, dwell in place for God by the Spirit. Again, I, I'm coming back to the same point I just made several minutes ago. God is here. We are God's temple. 
Psalm 22 verse 3 says, you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. He's enthroned on the praises of his people. And we've just read that we are one new man. He is here enthroned on the praises of his people. If you read Hebrews 12, the author of Hebrews would speak about the same thing. He will tell the Hebrews that they've come. Let me read this passage. Hebrews 12, starting from verse 22. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. What is that? Where, where is that place? Oh, the author of Hebrews is comparing the old temple with the new temple, which is us. And he says, whenever you gather together, that's what you've come to. I want that to sink in. It is amazing, I know. By the Spirit, we are being built into the dwelling place for God. Is that something? By the Spirit. And I want you to see this Trinitarian shape of what we're presented with here. Father sending his Son, sending their spirit. One spirit, one God, the Father, one God, the Son, one God, the Spirit. That's our new identity. We're God's temple. We're fellow citizens with the saints. We're his family. At the end of this short reminder of who we were of Christ who changed this and who we are right now, I'd like to make some short remarks, like, you know, some points of application very shortly, and I'll conclude. First, please remember only Christians can reconcile to each other, truly reconcile, truly become one. And that's the unity that everybody longs for, and it's found only in Christ. Second, joy is inseparable from the remembrance of our sinful past. You know, some people will say, oh, forget about what happened before that, prior to your conversion. Oh, no. Apostle Paul says, remember. If you want to do good works for which you were created in Christ, remember who you were. Third, Christ is our identity. Christ is our first identity. When somebody comes up to you and asks you who you are, what's what's the first thing that comes to your mind? I'm a father, mother, teacher, professional worker, grandmother. I hope that first thing that comes to your mind is that I am the one who's in Christ. By the way, that's most, uh, yes, it is, favorite description of a Christian that Apostle Paul gives in the Bible, the one who's in Christ. Fourth, please don't sit, go. I mean, now please 
be seated. <laughs> I mean, in general, go and preach the good news. Because our going is his coming. And fifth, never cease to marvel at being a living stone in God's dwelling place. You know, different people say different things like, you know, oh, I go to the mountains to meet God. I go to the ocean shore to meet God. I go to the solitude to meet God. God is here. He's enthroned on the praises of his people, where his people worship his son, being reconciled to God in his son. That's where he is. So if you think right now sitting here, ah, oh, I miss being at the shore. I wish I could have been at some other place. No, that's the place to be. Because God is here. So let me finish with what I started. What is your identity? If you are in Christ, then you will do good works. Because that's what you were created for in Christ Jesus. And you will do good works not to earn anything, but because Christ has earned everything. You used to be a worm that crawled, now you are an eagle who flies. You used to be an orphan, now you're God's son and daughter. You used to be ignorant, but now you know God and you are known by God, which is even more important. You've been recreated in Christ Jesus for the good works. So let us do them joyfully. Let's pray. Father God, it's amazing when we think about what you've done for us in Christ Jesus, who we are. Thank you for bringing us near to yourself by the blood of your Son in your spirit so that we may participate in the fellowship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Thank you. We're grateful. May your name be glorified through our good works. We pray this in the name of Christ our Savior. Amen.